those things. Lifesaver. Is that what you think about? A lifesaver? Wouldn't you like to get your hands on that gigantic lifesaver? How many of you are old enough to remember uh, when they used to have the boxes of lifesavers? And you'd get them for Christmas. We'd get two or three, and you'd try to sneak them to your room and eat half of them before your parents knew you had them. Uh, That's a lifesaver. What about a lifeguard? A lifeguard uh, is supposed to do a couple of things. Get a great tan, get the pretty girls, and hopefully pull you out of the water when when you're sinking to the bottom, right? Well, this morning, we're going to look at some life-saving principles, some things that I, I promise you, these are things... If you ignore these, like Samson, our, our person of our story this morning, you will fail. You will fail. It may take time, but you will fail. Flip side of that, if, if you will listen to these things, glean them from the Bible, practice them, they can save your life. They, they really can. Lifesavers. So I'm going to give you three things, and the first one is this. Guard your heart. When we talk about the heart in the Bible... We're not talking about your ticker, which guarding that is very important, but we're talking about your will, your your emotional connection to things, what you fall in love with, what gets a hold to you is 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 your heart. Verse four and five, we're excuse me, we're in Judges sixteen, if I failed to tell you that. Uh, we have one more sermon after this on Samson. Uh, we've been looking at him the last four weeks. A very interesting guy and uh, and a very a uh, sad figure in many, many ways. Judges 16, verse 4 and 5. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. We don't really know uh, what city this was. It was probably a Philistine city. In this time, uh, Israel, the country of Israel, in the country of the Philistines, the Philistines area where, where Samson lived was right on the border. The Philistines were dominating the Jewish people. Samson was supposed to be a hero, military deliverer, and he was not doing a very good job with that. And it says that he fell in love. That Hebrew word love there means that he developed a strong desire for this woman, a fondness of his heart that swallowed up his emotions and his intellect in the process. You know what it's like to be in love or you know what it's like for your your will and your your heart to get tied up into something. It's interesting Samson's mother, who was a godly woman, is never named. Samson got engaged and almost married to a woman who was never named. Samson had an uh, uh, interesting night in Gaza with a prostitute, and she is not named. But this woman, who he never marries, apparently lives with for an extended period, uh, Delilah is named. And I want to tell you, she is one evil chick. We will see that before this story is over. She agrees to betray him is what it says. It says to the Philistine uh, leaders, possibly, these were the five kings of the Philistine major cities, and they agreed to give her 1,100 shekels of silver apiece. Now, in, in this day and age, a shekel was not so much a, uh, like a dollar bill. It was a, a way you weighed something, and that's how you would pay someone wages. It was, it was basically, okay, we're going to weigh this out, and however much it is is how much we give you. 1,100 shekels. Let's say it was five rulers, that's 5,500 shekels. Now, do you mean, what in the world does that mean? Well, in this day and age, that may have been about a million 
million dollars. So it was a lot of money. And they're going to give this to her if she can find out why Samson is the baddest dude in the valley and keeps beating up and killing all their people. They can conquer him. And she agrees to do it. But let me tell you, the biggest problem, first of all, is not Delilah, it's Samson. It says Samson is down in the valley of the Sarek. Again, that's the valley of the deep red grape. He's, he's a Nazarite, if you've been here, which meant he could not have grape juice, raisins, grapes, drink wine. He hangs around the valley of the deep red grape. He's in Philistine country, which is the enemy country. For some reason, that is where he liked to hang out. And he is with a woman who certainly does not have his best interest in heart. And, and what got him is it says he fell in love with her. Listen to me. What you fall in love with, what gets your heart, is what's going to control your life. Proverbs 4.23, if you memorize a verse this year, this would be a great one. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your, your will. Guard the emotional pull of your life because it is the wellspring. It determines everything else in your life. Where your heart goes, you will go. Here's the danger some of you have this morning. Some of you are single people. And you're, you're wanting to get married. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're starting to fall in love with somebody who God doesn't want you to be with. And young people, it starts at a young age. You're going to marry somebody you date. Dating's not a game. And, and, and listen, I want to tell you, your emotions are not the indicator of what's right or wrong. Do you get that? Well, I feel this way. That is, truth is up here. Truth is not determined by the stinking Supreme Court, by the way. Truth is determined by God. Truth is not determined by, sorry for that outburst, I couldn't help it. Uh, truth is determined by God. My emotions, my will, my feelings are not truth. Some of you are married and you are, you're starting to get invested emotionally in someone who is not your husband or wife. And if you're not careful, that is going to decapitate you. Maybe not literally, but in every other way. Some of you are falling in love with money. Bible doesn't say money's evil at all. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Let money get a grip on your heart. And you know what? You'll stop coming to church as much. You, you'll stop prioritizing people as much. And it'll pull you away before you know it. God says this. Listen, what needs to have your heart more than anything else is Jesus Christ. And after that is people and the right people. All people you love, but you need to focus on the right people. And if you're involved with the wrong people and your heart's being pulled towards them, you love them, but you pull away from them. When I started graduate school, I was 22, and there was a young professor. He was probably about 30. To some of you, that's old as dirt. To me now, that's pretty young. He was a Ph.D. He was a brilliant young man. He was a accepted into the faculty at the largest seminary. Seminary is a graduate school for ministers in the world at the time. He was probably fluent in five languages. The New Testament was written in Greek. He could read the Greek like we read comic books. I mean, that's what he would have his quiet time, his daily devotional uh, in the Greek New Testament. He was a great teacher. He had a good personality. Uh, he, he seemed to have everything going for him. I'm sure on the weekends he preached at the best churches. He did conferences this guy, his job was going to work every day at a place surrounded by 
professional ministers, some of the most intelligent people in the world. I mean, you're talking about an environment to, to grow you in the, in the ways of God. But here's what happened. About five years after I got out of school, I heard a really bad story. He'd been having an affair for an extended period of time with somebody. He gets fired, loses his job, loses his family, loses his reputation. I haven't heard a word about the guy in 25 years now. How did that happen to somebody who had all those wonderful things around him every day? You know how it happened? His heart got drawn in the wrong direction. So, friend, if you don't think it can happen to you or to me, you're fooling yourself. Guard what you fall in love with. Guard your emotions and your heart. Number two, guard your pie hole or ice cream hole. Samson lost control of his heart, and I'm not sure he ever had control of that or his mouth. Read with me. Verses 6 through 14. This is kind of the heart of the story this morning. Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I can become as weak as any other man. The rulers of the Philistines brought these things out. They, they tied him up. And with men hidden in the room, all right, now you've got to follow all this. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, but he snapped these as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered, number one. Number two, then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now and tell me, how can you be tied? He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes. Are you beginning to see a pattern with Delilah? Took new ropes. Then with the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. In verse 13, Delilah said to him, Samson, until now you've been making a fool of me. What has she been making of him, this pudding head? Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you... Weave into the seven braids of my head, into the fabric of the loom, and tighten it with the pen. It will become as weak as any other man. I will. So while he was sleeping, man, this guy, he took Ambium, didn't he? I mean, when he went out, this guy was out like a light. I got to tell you a quick Ambium story. Can, Cindy, don't kill me for this. I just got to. Samson slept well. How many of you agree with that? Okay, back several years ago, my wife was having some sleeping issues, so she, she was taking Ambien for, for a month or two, and Ambien's a sleep pill. It's a sleep mat. It's the real deal. It makes you go to sleep. And so one night, she's, she took her Ambien, and the next morning, she got up, and she was furious at me. She goes, you ate my ice cream. You ate my ice cream. I bought that pint of ice cream for me, and you ate it. I said, you are a crackhead. I said, I watched you at 11 o'clock, get up, go in there, get that pint of ice cream out and eat it. And she said, I'm getting off that medicine. <laughs> so Ambium, it's good for sleep and weight gain, by the way. My wife did not gain any weight, I promise you from that. Anyway, somewhere we were with Samson. Okay. So she does it, verse 14, and tighten it with a pen. And again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep, pulled the pen uh, and the loom with the fabric, and um, 
fooled him three times. Then didn't stop there. Verse 15. She said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Listen, that's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? If you love me, if you love me, then you need to respond back. If you love me, you will quit asking me if I love you, right? Girls, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. This is the third time you've made a fool of me. Haven't you told me the secret of your great strength? With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. In verse 17, he told her everything. No razor's been on my head. I'm a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. His heart and his tongue are fixing to be his undoing. Let's look at this real quick. Three times Samson lies to her, doesn't he? Are you a liar? Don't raise your hand. Now, maybe this morning, as big a group as we have here, maybe somebody, somebody would be, yeah, I just don't tell the truth. It's sport. It's fun. It benefits me. Most of us probably aren't really liars. We'll see in a moment. We, we'll just shade things. It's funny, I'll hear people say occasionally, I don't tell big lies. I mean, my lies aren't, you know, your lie's a lie. Don't lie to people. Here's the second thing. Don't share information you shouldn't have. You have things that you know that you don't have to tell everybody. You know what Samson should have told lovely Delilah? I can't tell you. And when you tell someone that three times, you need to switch friends or girlfriends or boyfriends. Some things you just don't need to share with people. And, and listen, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be obnoxious when you say that. You just ought to be able to tell people, listen, there's some things about my life or about other people I'm just not going to tell you. Don't share everything you know. You, you don't have to do that. You shouldn't do that. Don't mislead people. He misled her. She was certainly misleading him. You see, some of us aren't liars. We just mislead people. We will, we will say things. We will do things. Maybe it's in business or maybe it's in our personal lives. We just mislead people. Guard your tongue. Don't let this, don't let this become you. Don't betray people with your mouth. Certainly, that's what she was doing. She, boy, she was going to portray him in a moment like no woman has ever done any man. How, how, with your mouth, do you betray your friends? Do you undermine them? Do you hurt them? Do you hurt people with your words? Don't be a hypocrite with your words. See, a lot of us, we'll smile at people's face and, boy, we'll stick them in the back, won't we? Uh, that's a good job. They're a good person. Uh, 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 uh. Man, if anybody was a hypocrite in the pictorial dictionary, Delilah's face would pop up, wouldn't it? Oh, if you'd love me, you'd tell me. Her motives were purely for her. Don't be hypocritical with your words. Listen, guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. I don't know if you read this story. There was a doctor or, or in Virginia. There were several doctors that just, just were sued for half a million dollars. And, uh, and the judge or the jury ruled in favor of the plaintiff. There was a man going in for a procedure, a, 
a, a routine basic procedure, but they, would, they put you under. I, I've never had any of that done, so I don't know how this works or how it works in Ruston. But this hospital in Virginia, they did the procedure in the room where the man was. I mean, they came in there where he was and did the procedure. And so his pants, any, any of y'all heard this story? It's incredible. His pants are in the corner of the room. He turned his phone recorder on because he said, I wanted to hear what the doctor was going to tell me after the procedure. I knew I'd be groggy. So he left his phone on during the procedure. And when he gets out and he leaves and he turns it on, he is amazed. The, the doctors are making fun of him in the, while they're working on him. And the anesthesiologist said, yeah, I wanted to hit him in the face and tell him to man up before this surgery. He was acting like such a sissy. And they talked about a rash on his body. Oh, don't touch that, this and that. And uh, $500,000 was awarded to that man because those people ran their big mouths. In this day and age, <laughs> you should be careful what you say, what you, what you print. Samson began his undoing because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Every day you ought to get up and you ought to ask God, God, help me to be pure. Put a gag on my mouth, put a gag on my tongue. Help me to say what I need to say, but not to say too much. Guard your speech. Here's a third thing this morning, and that's this, learn the lessons. Learn the lessons. My goodness, Samson could not learn the lessons. And in verse 18 and 19, here's the culmination of it. When Delilah saw he had told her everything... She sent word to the, the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him in sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Wow. Now look, three times... It was clear her motives weren't pure. Three times she does exactly what he says when he lies to her about how to subdue him. Three times the bad guys are in the room. Hey, Samson had a peanut for a brain, didn't he? Literally, I read this week, one scholar said, Samson was either unbelievably arrogant, which I believe he was, or he was incredibly S-T-U-P-I-D. He was just, must have been incredibly dumb. Hey, guys, our, our girls, if you're a banker, you work at a bank and you're dating somebody, and they consistently ask you, give me the code to the alarm system, and how do I get into the safe? And two or three times they're busted doing that. Break up with them. They don't like you. Learn the lesson. These are some funny things. I guess it's not funny because these people reportedly died. These are supposed to be true. Famous last words. You've got to keep that in mind. Famous last words of people. Things they said right before they died of dumb people. Here was, here's number one. The guy said, no, really, these are the good kind of mushrooms. This sounds like some people I know. Last words. I'll hold it and you light the fuse. A man was peeking into a cave and poking at something, and he said, he's probably just hibernating. Famous last words. What happens if I push this button? <laughs> and here's my favorite famous last words of dumb people. Guy lands on a South Pacific island, gets out, and he meets a person. He says, so, you're a cannibal. Think about that. 
Okay, y'all are acting dumb. You can't get the jokes. Let me tell you about some dumb burglars. This happened in America this week. There's a lot of bad news in America. This is some funny news in America. Uh, funny in one way, bad. This one guy breaks into these people's house. That's not funny. At night, while they're there, he, he gets jewelry. He gets things. Then he decides he's hungry. Rule number one for burglary, don't eat at the house you're robbing. He goes downstairs and he gets him some chicken and he eats there in the house. Then he decides, I need a nap. The burglar goes to the spare bedroom, lays down for a minute, falls dead asleep. The man wakes up the next morning, sees him in there, gets his gun, holds the guy until the police can get there. That is a dumb burglar, amen? Dumber burglar. Breaks into a house this week in the middle of the day. He robs these people. They leave their computer on. They come home later. They see that their house has been ransacked. Things have been robbed. But they notice they left the computer on and they were logged in. The burglar got on Facebook while he was there. They were able to go to his Facebook page and find him within a few hours. If you're a burglar, don't get on their Facebook. (laughs) Now let's get serious for another moment. When are you going to learn the lesson? You know, they say, and I, I'm sure there is a, 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 some psychological things that are much more involved in this, but they say a woman who's being abused by her husband, on average, it'll take her seven times before she'll leave seven times before she finally leaves for good. Ladies, if you're getting abused, I'm not telling you to get a divorce, but I'm telling you, get out of there until that gets right. You're in a relationship, you're dating somebody and they mistreat you. Dating's not supposed to be a lot of work. I'm telling you, if dating's a hard work, marriage is going to be a nightmare. Married people, would you agree? Dating's supposed to be fun. Some of you, you're involved with people, you're involved with relationships, maybe it's even where you work. When are you going to learn it's not going well and it's not going to? You love those people, but you may need to make a change for your sanity and your safety. Samson could not learn the lessons, and it's going to cost him dearly. Learn the lessons. Listen to what God's trying to tell you. Use your head. Use common sense. Learn the lessons. And here's where all these come together. If we miss these, it leads to disaster. Okay, you say this morning, well, guard my heart. I've heard that before. Okay, don't do that. Don't guard your heart. Uh, Guard my mouth. Well, I've heard that. Don't want to do that either. Learn the lesson. Well, you're intelligent. You don't need a preacher telling you that. Okay, that's fine. Let's let's look what happens to Samson in, in this story. Verse 20 and 21, she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Boy, those are some sad words there. The Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him in prison, grinding the grain. Wow. Didn't guard his heart. Didn't guard his tongue. Didn't learn. Here's what happened. First of all, and this is where a lot of churches are and even a lot of Christians, we're so far away from God, we don't even realize the power of God's not with us anymore. That's a bad spot, but a different sermon. 
They grabbed him and it says they gouged out his eyes. That, that, that wording there literally means they ripped his eyes out. I called Dr. Will Sanders this week and I said, Will, is that as bad to you as it is to me? Because that sounds pretty bad. Will says, oh, it would have been terrible. And, and Dr. Sanders explained in our eyes we have two types of nerve sensors. One that, that senses pain in a piercing way. The other in a, a pressure type of way. And Dr. Sanders said that those folks may have very well known how to inflict both types of pressure. How would they have gotten his eyes out? I'm not trying to be gory. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. They would either use their hands to pull them out or they would have used sticks to poke them out. I read an article this week in in Iran uh, several years ago. You may have heard the story. A man threw acid in a woman's face and blinded her. And the laws over in Iran, you know what they did to the man? They blinded the man. They tied him up, held him down, and put acid in his eyes. They say that the screams could be heard three or four miles away. Can you imagine what Samson must have felt? Here was this guy his whole life. He was the king of the jungle. And now he's as weak as anybody. They take him to Gaza. That doesn't mean anything to you and me, but that's about a 25-mile trip. By foot, that's a day and a half. Tied up, I'm sure spit on, beat, cussed. Gaza happened to be the place we saw last week where he rips the city gates and walks away. So you can imagine when they got him in there and could have their way with him what they did and how they mistreated him. It says they put him in prison and had him grinding grain. That doesn't mean anything to you and me, but here's what it meant to them. That was a task that slaves and the lowest of criminals did. He was probably just sitting down using a little hand grinder, grinding grain. By the way, the Philistines worshipped a false god called Dagon, who was the god of the grain. So in one sense, it was like Samson was honoring their god. You see, here's what happened. Samson couldn't keep his mouth shut. Samson lost his heart to the wrong things. Samson couldn't learn lesson after lesson after lesson. He lost his eyes. He lost his reputation. He lost his power. He lost his influence. He lost his name. He lost his health. He's going to lose his life. And he embarrassed God Almighty. So please hear me this morning. This isn't theoretical, biblical philosophy. This is real life stuff. If we... If we don't guard these things, we may lose our marriages. We might lose our money. We might lose our position. You may lose your job. You may lose your reputation. You may shame the name of God. Samson, we're going to see next week, recover some of that. But I want to tell you, it had to be a dark day in the dungeon for this fellow. How many of you know who Pete Rose is? You know, everybody knows who Pete Rose is. Pete Rose is almost a modern-day Samson story. Pete Rose is one of the greatest baseball players to ever play. He leads the professional baseball in the most hits ever. I think most uh, runs scored ever. Most got on base more than anybody else. Incredible baseball player. He, He was a manager, a coach, after he got finished playing. 1989, many years ago, Pete Rose got banned from baseball for life couldn't coach anymore. 
He couldn't really be around it except like a fan could be around it. Could not be in the Hall of Fame because they said he gambled. In every major league locker room, I've been told, I've not been in there, there is a placard up about gambling. Don't gamble. Don't associate with gamblers. You do not gamble. If you gamble, you will get in serious trouble. He would have seen that 100,000 times in his life. Pete Rose said, I didn't gamble, I didn't gamble, I didn't gamble. 2004, 2004, Pete Rose admitted, well, I did gamble on baseball. But it was only when I was a manager, not when I was a player, never when I was a player. Never bet against my team, but I did gamble when I was a manager. Eleven years go by, it looks like now maybe Pete's going to be put back, reinstated, get back in the Hall of Fame. Then it comes out this week that they're almost certain that Pete Rose was gambling on baseball when he was a player, something he's continued to deny up to this point. You know, Pete must be a great, obviously was a great baseball player, but I bet I could beat him in checkers because I don't think he learned the lesson. Dishonest, let his heart get pulled in a wrong direction, just like a modern-day Samson. And so here's, I want to tell you, this doesn't have to be you and me. And if it's been you and me in the past, it doesn't have to be you and me in the future. If we will make right choices moving forward. That's what I want to challenge you to do today. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian... God's putting his finger on your heart in some of these areas. Will you obey him? Will you repent? Will you choose the right path moving forward, regardless of the past? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you, where you're seated, if you're ready to do this, give your life to Jesus today. Pray with me if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son and you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand... And when we do, I want to challenge you to respond to what God said to you. Maybe today you're ready to come and give your life to Christ. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. You're ready to. When we stand, you slip out and come. We'll be down here waiting on you. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. And one way you can do that today is when we stand, just ease out, come down here. We'll help you join. We'd love for you to. Maybe you're here today as a Christian and God's put his finger on your heart in some of these areas where you're standing or maybe at the altar. You need to say to God, God, I'm sorry. And moving forward with your help, things are going to be different. It's your choice, but you live with your choices. Let's make the right ones going forward. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come.